Well, let us uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your person. Thank you for your work. Thankful for the opportunity we have to be encouraged by each other. Speak to us this morning as only you can through your word. Teach us, correct us, challenge us, help us to be alert, help us to see with fresh eyes and hear with fresh ears, touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been reading and rereading and studying and comparing the resurrection accounts all week long. And each of the Gospels ends with a little picture of the resurrection. And there's a little clip in Acts chapter 1, and then there's another clip in Acts chapter 15. And they give little parts of the story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you read through and start comparing the notes, it's a pretty amazing story. And when you spend time with eyewitnesses, uh, we're, we're a little bit short on time, but I was going to have an eyewitness who was at the game of uh, the Minnesota Miracle. Is that what they're still calling it? So if you could hear an eyewitness story, I know some of you saw on the TV, that's nothing. We have people that were there, okay? And if we could talk to the guy who caught the ball, he'd have an idea, wouldn't he? And the guy who threw the ball, who, what's his name? quarterback yeah case keenum i mean he would tell a good story but so these eyewitness accounts it doesn't get any better than that and so as i read and reread it's fresh to me i couldn't put it down i wanted to i want to see better i want to know jesus better i want to i want to see the risen jesus and i want to understand why they took the time to write down what they did write down. And have also recognized, I just don't believe. I don't believe. What I mean is I don't believe well. I mean, you think by now I'd be a believer. But I'm learning some things about believing too. I have a higher estimate of myself. And sometimes I want to appear that I believe better than I do. Let me tell you, you're looking at a doubter. You're looking at somebody who still struggles. You're looking at somebody who finds himself confused at times. And I realize that as I read and reread and I come to these passages. So it's typical for me to um, make more of myself. It's interesting in the Gospel of John, as he's writing this story, <laughs> he includes a race. You know, they're racing to the tomb. And John says, I outran Peter. But he doesn't say, he doesn't tell you that. You'd have to re read the story and you can figure it out. But I mean, it's interesting. The other gospels don't include that race. And I wonder why John includes it. And then there's a little note that uh, John says when he got there, it says, John believed. The, the apostle believed. But Peter, he just looked in there and he walked away wondering. He's bewildered. Well, figures, John would say Peter's bewildered. 
And uh, I wonder if they talked about that, their reaction to the story. But I would hope that you and I could grow in our believing and that we're reading eyewitness accounts that they researched the story. And I'm not going to go into much of those details at all. But I just want to take and show you some of the big pictures that I've uh, gleaned as I've read and reread the story. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, if you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, there's, there's a story there um, of the resurrection and what took place. And like I said, each of the Gospels includes something a little bit different picture, but there's some great things to glean. It doesn't take very long at all. Listen closely. You can listen with your eyes closed even. You can follow along as I read. But listen to this account. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took their spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, crucified, and on the third day rise again? They, then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about the, everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things to, with each other, Jesus himself came and walked with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces to downcast. One of them, named Clopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And don't you know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word, before, indeed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the, law, the one who was going to be redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb this early morning, but didn't find the body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels and said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. He said to them, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. 
So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their midst. They asked each other, Were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two of them, then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what was written. That Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So I wanted to take a little bit of time this morning. And if it's okay with you, I just want to share you some of these discoveries I've been making as I studied and restudied something I'm, I thought I was familiar with. Dangerous thing to think you're familiar with something because you begin to take it for granted. Just ask your wife, husband. You take her for granted, it's an insult. It really is. Don't take her for granted. And wife, don't take your husband for granted. So you go back to the story, and we don't have time to cover the whole story, but I just want to paint a little picture here. So in verse 1, on the first day of the week, early in the morning on the first day of the week. Think about that. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, it's a new beginning, a new focus, a new start, a new opportunity, a new day, a new week, a new month, a new year. And it just made me start thinking. You go through the scriptures from the beginning to the end, and it tells you about people who took opportunities early in the morning. It says, early in the morning, Jesus would slip away by himself. Daniel prayed early in the morning. Psalm 3, it says, In the morning I lay my request before you. 
Genesis. If you turn to Genesis, don't do that now. But if you would turn to Genesis, you would find that in the first day. And I would ask you, did the first day, did it start with morning, noon, or evening? Remember, darkness covered the land. What did he say? Let there be light. So in the beginning, it started with morning. It started with a new day. Exodus 16 says this. Moses told the people, in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. You know what? I've been trying to get up in the morning, and it's true. And morning, don't get legalistic about it. Morning is not four. It's not five. It's not six. It's not seven. It's when you wake up. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. How to start your end your day and how to end your day. Young people, I would hope that you would listen up, and I'll give you the greatest investment plan anybody could ever give you. A plan that has potential to fill your life to the overflow, to the most important hours of your day, when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night. Don't answer this question, but what's the first thing you reach for in the morning when you wake up? I'll answer it. The cell phone. The newspaper. The TV clicker. You're missing out. The first thing in the morning is listening for God's voice. He awakens me in the morning. Morning by morning, He awakens me. He sustains me through the night, Scripture says. And if you're waking up in the morning and instead of listening for the Spirit of God to speak to you, or opening the Scriptures and using the Scriptures and the Spirit of God to speak to you, your mind is already distracted by the news, by the pains of the day, by trying to compare your life to somebody else's life on Facebook or Twitter, whatever that is. But I mean, people, it's about comparing yourself and about measuring up. The first thing in the morning is do nothing but say, Good morning, Lord. And I go back to this and I'm going, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took their spices. It's devastation. They just saw Jesus killed. They want to go find Him. They want to be with Him. They don't know about the resurrection. They're going there expecting a dead body, but at least they want to be close to Jesus. What are you reaching for in the morning? What am I reaching for in the morning? If we start our day with anything other than meeting with Jesus, we've lost the best focus, the best important hour. Some of our best thoughts, our clearest thoughts are in the morning before we get distracted. I know we're busy. I know we have stuff. I know we need to check our mail. I know we need to keep up. But if you don't trust the Bible for getting up in the morning and its wisdom that we would meet him in the earliness of the when we wake up if you would if you would test by looking at any of the leaders down through history the majority of them were morning in the sense they they captured that time in the morning they were diligent about that time in the morning and said i'm going to put this to use i'm going to focus i'm going to just read a couple of verses i found in scripture Job, it says 
This man was blameless and upright, and he feared and shunned the Lord. And then it says, early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering, and this was his custom on a regular basis. He just met with God before he met with his stuff, and he was busy. He had a farm. He had lots to take care of. But before he went out and got occupied with everything else, he met with God. Job said in verse 17, What is man that you make so much of him? Okay, this is after his trial begins. And he recognized God squeezing him. And he says, good question. What is man that you make so much of him, that you give him so much attention, that you examine him every morning? Oh, I'm glad. I am glad, because I'm telling you, I am lazy, I am sluggish, I want to just sit down and do nothing, but when I wake up in the morning, he's there. And he says, Chris, I've been waiting. Let's go get it. Let's go after this day, because this is the day the Lord has made. So, I'm just sharing with you, you may be going, man, why are you so excited today? Well, because each morning I'm waking up, I'm reading through the text. And the text tells me that they struggled to believe that Jesus was alive. So I'm encouraged. Wow, they're just like me. He had to tell them, why are you so stubborn to believe? Here, it's me. It's me myself, he says. I'm not a ghost. And to make it further clear to you, do you got some fish? Let's eat. So he sat there and ate in front of them, and they probably were looking at each other like, going, dude, he eats. You know, because the women came. They, it says they didn't believe him, right? And then the two guys on the road to Emmaus came, and it said they didn't believe him. And if you start to put together the stories, you're like, going, he appeared to him. There's a first group of appearance, and Thomas wasn't there. And then a week later, he appears to him again when they're gathered together. The doors are locked. In one of the texts, it says that they're weeping and mourning and they're in fear. So they're not expecting a resurrection. They're not thinking resurrection. They're thinking it's over. But the grace of Jesus, he comes and finds them. says, I know you guys locked the door and you tried to keep me out, but here I am. And he'll come after you and he'll come after me because of his amazing, relentless love. And so you read through the story. There's a, the first group appearance. Thomas not there. The second group appearance a week later. And I'm thinking, you know, take uh, any, any five or six people. This was, we're talking 10 or 11 or 12. You don't know exactly how many because it keeps saying and others were with them. I would uh, ask you to go find out how many women went to the tomb in the morning. It'll shock you because you think, well, looks like there's maybe one. Well, no, looks like there's two. Oh, no, there's three actually named, and then it says there's others. Well, how many people were there? They're remembering the story and they're remembering the bits and the pieces that are important to them. But imagine any group of five or six, eight or ten people. If you experience something and one of your party close to you wasn't with you, you know, 
and you try to tell them about what took place the night before or even the day before, they're going to look at you like, no way, didn't happen. Didn't happen, and I'm not going to believe it until I see it. So this is Thomas, but the, the fact that it's a week later, think about the arguing in a, in a nice way, okay? It doesn't say they were arguing. It doesn't say they were fighting, but this is real life. Go to the text. Let the questions ask themselves to you. Think about real lives. Think about what's going on. And then in uh, Corinthians, it tells us that he appeared to 500 or over 500 at one time. And then I love what it says in Acts. He showed himself to them over a period of 40 days and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. You know, I'm like going, yeah! Because he's given me many convincing proofs over the years. And on days you're going to meet me and you're going to go, wow, you're pretty discouraged for a Christian. You're pretty down for a guy who's been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. What's up with you? Well, I got my eyes fixed on my circumstances and not on Jesus. I got distracted. So, I've been reading through these things. Psalm 30. Weeping may remain for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Psalm 55. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in my distress, and he hears my voice. Psalm 65. When morning dawns and evening fades. They even wrote about a, so a song about it. When morning dawns and evening fades, you call out songs of joy. Psalm 88, I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Psalm 92, it is good to praise the Lord, to proclaim, proclaim your love in the morning, your faithfulness at night. Psalm 101, every morning, I will put silence. I will put to silence the wicked in the land. You know, you wake up with the same stresses, some of you, as somebody else has. We share some of that. Some of us has other stresses that some of us don't have, but we all have stuff we wake up with in the morning. And so when I read this, every morning I will put to silence the wicked of the land. And it's not just people, and I don't think he's thinking necessarily of people as much as ideas. Because those people aren't in your homes. They're not in my home when I wake up in the morning. But there's plenty of ideas. There's plenty of bad philosophy. There's plenty of bad thoughts, negative emotions. So you put it to silence by saying, Good morning, Lord. Redirecting your focus. Leave the news. Leave the phone. Leave all that junk for a while. And just soak with the Lord while you wake up. And give Him that time, that precious time in the morning. If you invest in Him, you will not be disappointed. He will meet you. He will wait for you. He already is. Give Him that time early in the morning. Isaiah 26. My soul yearns for you at night. In the morning my spirit longs for you. Isaiah 33. O oh Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Be our strength every morning. Our salvation in time of distress. Isaiah 50, He awakens me morning by morning. Wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. Lamentations. For His compassions never fail. They are? His compassions never fail. They are? 
His compassions, they never fail, they are. His compassions never fail, they are new every morning. So, you wake up tomorrow morning, you need some compassion, you need some strength, you need some grace. Be careful what you're reaching for. Lord, good morning. So early in the morning on the first day of the week, they're heading for Jesus. They don't know. They don't know. They think it's over. I'm a little bit excited. I think because, honestly, I'm telling you, I want to believe it, but I find myself just like these disciples. He's had to convince me again and again that he's alive. Why am I so dull to hear? And you know, when I was rereading the story, even this morning, listen to, listen to one of the things that just jumped off the page at me. He said, uh, Jesus was kindly rebuking them, right? And this is in Mark's rendition. Jesus said, he rebuked them. He says, guys, why don't you, why do you doubt? Why do you have this stubborn refusal to believe? I'm thinking, wait a minute. I thought he, he opens their eyes so that they can see. Well, and then it says it's their stubborn refusal to see. Which is it? Beautiful picture. The big couple of big takeaways. Okay? So hopefully just whet your appetite. You go read. You go read those accounts. Believing isn't automatic. It's not just downloaded to us. Faith is like a muscle. It needs regular exercise and healthy spiritual food. And it needs rest. There's a thing, I just learned about this the other day, even this morning. There's a thing called decision fatigue. Our life is filled with decisions we need to make because we're being inundated, inundated with information overload. Shut it down. And spend time with Jesus alone. You will be amazed how you begin to live again. How this stuff just gets on you. All the news, all the politics, all everything that's going on. Go for a walk. Get some silence. Be with Jesus. And so he early in the morning, they're all by themselves, these ladies. They probably walked in very hushed tones, just talking about who's going to move the stone. And he surprises them, doesn't he? He surprises them. So faith, when you doubt, when you have trouble believing God or believing in God, it's normal. It's normal. Mark, or I mean, Luke ends with, they went to the ascension and it said they saw him and they worshipped him. Matthew says they worshipped him and some doubted. And I mentioned that before. That's one of my favorite passages. So if you're doubting, of course you doubt. You're a human being. 
inundated with all kinds of information that you have to process through. So believing is not a blind leap in the dark where you detach your reason, where you leave your brain behind. Believing is a healthy response to revelation, a healthy response to experience, a healthy response to information. And we have information from eyewitness accounts. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're the person who needs to argue the details, go talk to the scholars. Don't just say, he didn't rise. That's weakness. That's an excuse. If you didn't think he rose, write a book on it. But press in. But if you're having trouble, believe at the same time, don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up, but don't get lazy. The next thing, the big takeaway, is that the graciousness of Jesus. He kept meeting them. You know, first the women at the tomb, and they go back to the disciples, and they say, hey, we saw. So Peter and John run. And Peter looks in, and he, it says bewilderment, confusion, amazement. Confusion's not there. Bewilderment and amazement are. But it said he walked away thinking. And the idea is that he was thinking deeply about all that took place. And then a couple places in the scripture, it says, go tell the disciples and Peter. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, it says he appeared first to one of the first appearances to Peter. And you're like, oh, and you can't find that. You keep going through and then you're going. But if you've been in a family where two people loved each other and they had a bad ending and their distance is apart and they're going to get back together, everybody's wondering, I wonder how it's going to work when they see each other. I hope they don't throw a fit at the wedding. I hope, you know, this funeral goes okay because these family members haven't talked to each other since the whatever. So Jesus and Peter had a bad ending. Remember? He looks across the courtyard. Peter denied him. But Jesus wants Peter to know, go tell the disciples and Peter. I'm alive. And then John records this extended time of the reconciliation of Peter, right? Three times he asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Go feed my sheep. And there's that interaction. It's recorded there because of God's grace, because of God's love, because there's people like me and Peter and Thomas that were stubborn to believe. So he just keeps showing up. He just keeps leading us. Last thing. You know what? He said to them, the angel said, Why are you looking among the dead for the living? He is risen. He is alive. He's not going to be found by you where most of the places you're looking because you want to look your way. He's asking you to follow Him. And if you would put your faith and your trust in Him in the smallest amount, the smallest window that He invites you to step through, He'll meet you right where you're at. But He loves you too much to leave you there. And He will lead you into a place that you can say with confidence and growing confidence, I can't wait till next year. 
Because if I keep pursuing him, I'm going to believe. A year from now, I might believe this book. A year from now, my life might be a blessing to somebody because I believe. I look forward to that day. I look forward to the day as he continues to work on me because I'm just like these disciples. We have the privilege on the first of the month. We're going to close our service by having the Lord's table. And so we are wrapping it up, coming to the end of this time. But you know that Jesus met with his disciples intentionally at the Lord's table. And even then, he was gracious and give them an opportunity. You can participate. You can not participate. That's your freedom. So he told them, when you get together, remember me. Remember me by sharing the bread and the cup together. And that's what we do. So if you're here this morning and you have a relationship with Jesus, you are just remembering what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do in the future. Those of you who don't know Jesus, you have an opportunity to make a decision. And that decision isn't whether you participate in communion, this sacrament. It's whether you're going to trust him. What are you going to do about Jesus? If you think he didn't rise from the dead, give me a better story. I will listen. And I will wonder with you. Hmm. Because when the women came back, they said the, they basically said the body's been stolen. He's gone. So give Jesus an opportunity by stepping out just a little bit. Meet him at that door. So when they met together, he took the bread and he broke it and said, this is for you, my body given up for you. So those folks who are going to come and help. So if you want to participate today, as, as the people come around and they share, you can partake. It's up to you. And if you're not, it's also a good time just to ponder about the story of the resurrection. Go ahead.